of us is a mirror fragment. We're not the light. But when we permit the sun to hit our mirror fragment and then bounce off into the life of a darkened heart, there can be change. There can be illumination. Well, encouragement that your life can have a tremendous impact on those around you. And uh, that's Lucy Swindoll. You'll hear more from her, some great truths and some humorous stories as well. On today's Focus on the Family with Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and last time we began what is one of our most popular broadcasts of all time. I think, John, it's her humor. I mean, people, human beings connect with humor. It's a key that unlocks the heart. It is, and you feel, um, I don't know, there's a vulnerability to it that Mm. you feel closer to another person, I think, when they are able to put it in that kind of humorous context. Uh, Lucy shared last time that mirror analogy um, about reflecting the light of Jesus to the world with truth humor, and joy. And I so appreciate that. I've seen that in action. I've seen the Holy Spirit Mm. uh, crack that heart. And I think it's why the Lord said, love your neighbor. Because I think the way that God has constructed us spiritually, emotionally, and our DNA, that when you love another person and they know it's sincere, um, there's something irresistible that their heart opens up to you. Mm. You have to be very cold-hearted not to respond to a loving human being. And I think it's the way God has done it. Um, life is hard, and people around us uh, make bad choices. And you know what? We've got to be honest. Sometimes we make bad choices. Mm-hmm. That's called uh, being a sinner saved by grace. Lucy described her upbringing and a major incident that troubled her as a 12-year-old discovering her father's uh, previous marriage. Mm-hmm. And through that, he taught her the importance of loving those around us who might not be just like us. What an incredible message that we need to hear today, Mm -hmm. because we have uh, kind of dug in our heels on all sides, and we don't want to listen to other people. And I think this message will empower you to be able to open your ears and love your neighbor Mm -hmm. as yourself. Now, Lucy spent 30 years as a professional working with the Mobile Oil Corporation and then joined the staff of Insight for Living, uh, the ministry that was started by her brother, Dr. Chuck Swindoll. And currently, she's with the Women of Faith team as they do a farewell tour, and uh, this is going to be her 20th year associated with that event. Now, this presentation was recorded at a Women of Faith conference, and we're going to roll back just a little bit to refresh you on what we had last time, and then get right into the new content for today's Focus on the Family. My father, as I said was to me the fourth person of the Trinity. He was perfect. He did everything right. He ruled with what I called a velvet thumb. You know, you knew when he put his thumb down, he meant it, but he meant it with velvet, you know, sort of soft on the edges. Had a marshmallow heart. And by his act of commission, Daddy wanted from us as children certain things. I have an older brother whose name is Orville, I will tell you about. I have a younger brother whose name is Chuck, and I am their favorite sister. (laughs) By their own admittance, I am the middle child. And so there were three of us, very verbal, born very close together, very outspoken, and so mother and daddy had their hands full. Now, mother was very, very different from daddy. As I told you, she's 15 years younger, and everything daddy was, she was not. Daddy was passive and mother was assertive. 
Daddy was very quiet and mother was just a mile a minute. Mother was like a balloon on a string. You never knew where she might levitate the next moment. <laughs> Who is that on the ceiling? Well, it's mother, you know, get her down. <laughs> well, when I think about this, I think, man, mother is really in my consciousness. I wanted some notebook paper to needed to buy some after school, junior high school, Houston. And I asked mother for the money, and she gave me the money for the notebook paper, knowing how much it was. She just gave it to me. I bought the notebook paper, and in my effort to leave the store, I was paying for the notebook paper, and I passed the cookie rack. And I was dying for those macaroons. Sitting up there, cutest little package. So I thought, well, I don't have any money. I'll just rip those babies off. You know, you don't, you don't really think like that. You just sort of do it, you know. Well, actually, I wished I had, they were terrible. I mean, they were just, don't ever steal macaroons. They get bigger in your mouth, you know. This, it's somewhat like chewing rubber bands, you know. But I got those babies, put them in my pocket, and I'm out of there. And on the way home, I thought, well, you, you see, immediately I, was, I felt guilty because I knew what I had done was wrong, but I so wanted them. So I thought, well, I'll eat them fast. Once I have eaten them fast, then I will go home and just confess it to mother real fast, and then my guilt and sin will be exonerated fast because I'll be through with it all. So when I get home, I am just exceedingly uh, guilt-ridden and sick, too, in reverse order. So I walk in. I thought, I'm going to tell mother, get it out. I go to the kitchen. I can still see mother. I came in a little door back here. Mother's peeling potatoes for dinner. There's a window here and it, light was coming in. It formed kind of a halo over. <laughs> it was kind of going, hmm. <laughs> and so I just said, well, to myself, you know, get it out fast, loose, and then it's done. So I just said, mother, I bought the notebook paper and when I got through with that, I passed a package of cookies. They were really good. And I just stole the package, ate the whole thing on the way home. I am really sick, and I think I'm going to die. And this movement stopped. She went. And I thought, well, she heard me. So she put the knife down, which was good. <laughs> a very good start. She put the knife down. She turned to me, and she very quietly said, I beg your pardon. So, blah, blah, I stole the cookies right away home now. It was something sick and everything. And she said, well, she never lost her cool. She looked at me straight in the eyes, you know, like bullet holes that go, Phew! She said, well, the first thing you need to do is confess that to the Lord. And I said, well, I did. I mean, they were bad, but they were stale. She said, that is not the point. She said, then secondly, what you'll need to do is get your money and I will take you to the store and you need to tell the man what you have done and pay him for the cookies. And I said, oh, wait, mom, you want me to go in that store and tell that man I stole those cookies and you want me to pay him? She said, that's right. And I said, well, I can't. She said, why not? I said, I can't. That guy thinks I'm a Christian. She said, well, you haven't behaved like one. I said, well, I know that, mother, but please don't, make, please don't make me go. She said, you will. All the time she's fetching her car keys and I'm looking for my coins and getting in the car and all the time saying, Mother, please don't make me. She said, yes, you will. I said, you're going to come in with me? She said, no, I'm not going to embarrass you. You know what is right. Go tell him and pay him. She said, I'll, just, I'll be there in the doorway. I'm not going to say anything. 
So I walked in, found the superintendent or the guy, what, what would that be called, a store manager? You have to know that I am a day person and any time after nine o'clock, I never know what I'm saying. This guy is standing there, about the size of this building, you understand, and I go up to him and I said, are, are you the manager? And he said, yes. And I said, well, I'm, I was just sitting here doing a store patient. And he said, you'll need to speak up. I said, I was in here earlier today. And he said, yes, I remember, I saw you. And I said, well, I, I stole a package of cookies and I didn't pay for them. I know better. I know stealing is wrong. And I have come in to pay you and to tell you I'm really sorry. He held out this enormous hand. And I dropped the coins in, 17, 18 cents, whatever it was. And then he did the most interesting thing. He kind of flopped them up and down his head and said, you know, <laughs> We have a lot of kids who come in here and steal. I don't think we've ever had anybody come in and confess that they stole anything and, and paid me. He said, you, you must be a Christian. I said, well, yes. Um. <laughs> That's correct. We got in the car and all the way home, I said, mother, for the first time I'm hungry. She said, good, let's go home and have dinner. And to that, from that day to this, I have not stolen a paperclip. Because I know mothers up there ready to zap me, you know. <laughs> Proverbs 29, 20 says, get all the advice you can and be wise the rest of your days. And you know what now, ladies? I am in the rest of my days. And I praise God for the advice my mother gave me. And so when mother let her light shine in me, she did something I could not do for myself. She taught me to give and receive good advice. Now, when you're a child, hearing advice is very hard to hear. But when you are older, I think it is even harder to give because you better be sure you're right. Before God, it is your commission as a parent, as an individual, as a Christian, to let that light shine off your mirror fragment. Now, probably the most colorful family member is my older brother, Orville. Even his name is different. And Orville is a genius. He really is a genius. 13 months older than I, and my father used to pay him to tutor me in math, and it was the kiss of death. There was no way I could learn from this genius. And he came to the table one night and he said, Daddy, sis cannot learn. And I said, and Daddy, Orville cannot teach. <laughs> he was the family brain trust. And there wasn't anything that he did not want to accomplish, at least before the age of 12 or 18. You know, I mean, he wanted to get it done in his youth. And he could do everything. He played piano beautifully and he would practice churny exercises up and down the piano. Just beautiful piano music. But when he tired of that, he decided he would enter the local science fair. So he wanted to raise Mediterranean fruit flies. And they are called Drosophila melanogasters. And I mean, it's longer than the fly, the name. And he grew them in a milk bottle that had agar-agar in it that looked like milk, but it wasn't milk, it was agar-agar. And they bred in that in the refrigerator. And he would have signs on the refrigerator that said, 
do not open the door between three and four because the flies are breeding. And I'm thinking, too many words, you know, and I'm getting in there. And so he had all this laid out because he had to have these flies fully grown by the time the science fair came. Well, Daddy worked the swing shift. And at night, it was Daddy's custom. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. To have cereal before he went to bed. <coughs> so one night, while the flies were breeding, <laughs> Daddy came in, he opened the refrigerator, he took out the agar-agar and the drosophila melanogaster, and he began to pour. Now, mind you, agar-agar does not pour. It sucks. It goes... <laughs> but... <coughs> The flies got out. Well, I hear Daddy going down the hall. Orville. Past my little bedroom, he said, Orville. The flies got out. They come back. And I honestly heard Orville say this to Daddy. He wasn't upset. He said, Daddy... Look for the males. They're the ones with the colorful wings. <laughs> to which Daddy said, Son, I can't see the sofa. It's one in the morning. Do you know what time it is? But he wouldn't be outdone. He decided, no, he's going to raise dogs. So when the flies died and the agar-agar turned sour, he began to bring home his first stray. Then he asked Mother if he could breed dogs in the backyard. Kind of into breeding. And he not only did that, but he signed up for a full year of a magazine called Dog World. So we had dogs breeding in the yard, flies breeding in the fridge, and Dog World all over the house while he was playing his churny exercises. And then Orville got really interested in spiritual things. Started dating only Christian girls started going to only spiritual things that were going on in the city, began to correct all our unspiritual ways. <laughs> Say to Chuck, when are you going to ever learn to pray? That kind of stuff. But you see what was going on in me was the feeling, I want to be just like him. And even now, Orville is incredible. Two years ago, he built me a $7,000 computer and I will be paying for it till the return of Christ. <laughs> I mean, constantly pursuing excellence. Last night, this, I said, Orville, I just hate this computer. I love it, but I hate it. You know, I talk to it all the time, like, shut up, and things like that. And I said, I cannot get the printer to print. Then when it prints, it won't shut off. And he said, sis, read your manuals. And I said, well, I'd just rather phone you. He said, well, I won't always be here. And I said, oh, Orville, why'd we ever buy this computer? You know, I'm going on and on. And then he said something like, sis, wouldn't you rather be reading your manual for the next 63 years than sitting on the side of your bed fooling with your false teeth as your nurse comes down the hall with soft food? <laughs> I said, yes. You bet I would. And when he shined his light in my heart, it made me want to pursue excellence. And the verse I think of for Orville, it's so apropos. Proverbs 18:15 says, The intelligent man is always open to new ideas. In fact, 
He looks for them. He looks for them. Is that what you're doing? Is that what you're letting flash off of your little broken mirror fragment, which is truly you? It's not a metaphor for your life. It is your life. Being tolerant, giving and receiving good advice, constantly pursuing excellence, and then finally in closing, Chuck, my younger brother. There is probably, in fact, I would be very amazed if there is anybody who is deep into the Christian faith today who has not really heard of Chuck. He is an amazing man, honor graduate from Dallas Seminary. He has learned so much. He continually has uh, a public practice or a public ministry for the last 25 years. And the thing I love about Chuck is, and the thing I've learned from Chuck the most, is his refusal to dwell on the negative. And when he was born, would you believe, in his young years, he stuttered so badly that he one time asked for something to be passed to him on the table, and by the time it got to him, it had already been eaten. (laughs) And I understand that people stutter like that when they feel they are not really accepted in the family, when they are insecure. And he thought, I was already born into a completed family, a mother, a father, a son, and daughter, and then me. And so he stuttered. And yet he overcame that of his own volition. He began to memorize poetry and he would say, It was the schooner Hesperus that sailed the wintry sea. The skipper had taken his daughter along to bear him company. Blue were her eyes as the fairy flax and her cheeks like the dawn of day. Her bosom as white as the hawthorn buds that open the month of May. And I'd say, Mom, he said, bosom. She'd say, I know, I just let him go ahead. (laughs) Cannons to the right of them, cannons to the left of them, out of the valley of death rode the 600. And then he started memorizing scripture, thousands of verses. He had been in the seminary for six weeks, and I called him, I said, babe, how you doing? He said, sis, I love it. I am already one year behind. (laughs) He said the other day in Hebrew class, the guy put a test on the board in Hebrew. Didn't even look like a language, looked like a rag rug just hanging up there. You know? I said, did you pass it? He said, no, I failed it. <laughs> but I won't always fail. And now he's president of the seminary. And you know what? I couldn't do that if I wanted to. <laughs> Refusing to be defeated. I thank God for that legacy. My mother said one time when we were all standing together just before dinner, she said, listen, I got an idea tonight. Let's go to France. I said, France? I thought we were going to dinner. I said, mother, we can't go to France. She said, I know it. I just want to hear the sound of it in my mouth. Yes. Just something to lift your spirit. All of us are talking about the same thing, and that is find the joy that is in you. Each of you is a mirror fragment. Some of you are a bit dusty. Some of you are downright dirty. Some of you are like me, kind of cracked. But you know what? God is in the business of taking that, honing it down, cleaning it up, and just having it catch the glint of the sun and then shine into that which is dark. Being tolerant, giving and receiving good advice, 
Pursuing excellence, refusing to dwell on the negative, refusing to do it. Chuck was running through the house on the way to football practice one night in a little church parking lot where they used to play football, and he ran by mother who was standing there in the kitchen, which was really her most significant spot, I think, in the house. And she stuck scripture verses in front of her on the tile, and she would memorize those, and she was memorizing a verse, and Chuck asked her why. And the verse said, Proverbs 18, 16, a man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. And babe said, why are you learning that, mother? And she said, honey, I'm claiming that for you three children so that someday your gifts will make room for you so that however God uses you, whether he brings you before great men or not, your gifts will open the door. So I think maybe it was my mother's prayer. Maybe that's what started it all. Because when we are children, we certainly don't think someday I'm going to be speaking on this. I better take note. <laughs> we just don't. That's not the way we live. It's not the way we think. And yet on reflection, it is wonderful when things come back to us that make life as sweet as honey. As though God is dripping his grace upon us and giving us this opportunity to shine. Isaiah says it like this, Arise, my people, let your light shine for all the nations to see, for the glory of the Lord is streaming from you. Darkness as black as night shall cover all the peoples of the earth, but the glory of the Lord will shine from you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to the glory of the Lord upon you. So all the Lord asks of us is simply to give him our mirror fragment so that the way you live will be truly turned into a joyful journey and wherever we are to shine. Well, we've been enjoying some unique insights and some great humor from Lucy Swindoll for the past couple of Focus on the Family radio programs. And um, what a thread throughout her message about the impact, Jim, that her mom and dad have had on her life. Uh, amazing. And I never met Lucy or, or Chuck Swindoll's parents, but they, uh, they just must have been great people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could see it in the fruit of their kids. Um, it's such a reminder that as parents we can play a tremendous role in molding our children's character and their very lives. It's not formulaic. No, there's children, no guarantee, is no. there? No. Children have you know, their own choices to make, and so I don't want to present that for the parent who is anguishing over a wayward teenager. Uh, you got to let God work through those circumstances mm -hmm. and hopefully woo them back and help them come to their senses. But I am saying when you set the right feast and hopefully they have an appetite, mm -hmm. uh, it will all work out for good. And certainly in the Swindoll family, you see that. Um, let me say focus is here for you. Um, again, not to be formulaic, but we have tools that will help you mm -hmm. uh, to create the right environment for a hopeful and predictable outcome to you know raise children ready to launch into this world with a fervent faith in Christ. And we're here for you, and I hope you will uh, rely upon us to provide those resources. 
Well, certainly, parenthood has its joys and challenges, and we're so glad to be able to come alongside you in that journey by having those kinds of resources at our website. Our program was provided by Focus on the Family. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening in. I'm John Fuller. Lucy Swindoll is just an amazing speaker, and I hope that you enjoyed this two-part series. The book that comes highly recommended in context of today's broadcast is written by Kay Warren and called Choose Joy Because Happiness Isn't Enough. You can order this resource when you call us on 031-716-3300 or online at safamily.co.za. And I want to echo what Jim was saying at the end of the program. We're here for you. And we want to provide the resources that will help improve your parenting skills, build closer family bonds, and instill faith and character in your children. And according to recent research done, in the last 12 months, think of this, every two and a half hours, we help a family work through a crisis involving their children here at Focus on the Family. And when you pray for us and you support us, you're participating in that. And that's astonishing to me. That's a good thing. Every two and a half hours to be helping a family that's in crisis or in need. We're only able to do that because of you. And I hope it's worthy of your giving. I know there's many, many people, many organizations asking for your help. But I do hope that you'll help us touch these families in the name of Christ. No gift is too small and we invite your participation. Just stop by our website at safamily.co.za. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Graham Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.